1: Tom Bernard Show with Andy Bernard, Mike Molina, and our special guest, Jimmy Francis, South St. Paul, Minnesota. We'll be,
2: and we're going to talk about South St. Paul, Minnesota, and Jimmy Francis, and Carl, and we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff, man. Coming right back. Tom Bernard Show.
0: Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, One of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's
2: interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. Walzer are pros at body and glass repair, but don't take my word for it. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly perfect 4.8 Google rating. Check them out at walzercollision.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Bernard Show, Jimmy Francis, our special guest, South St. Paul. What's going on, man?
1: Thanks for having me on, Tom. This is very exciting to uh, be on the podcast as a sitting mayor of South St. Paul. Very uh, appreciative of the Chicago music coming in because we're having a a tribute band playing on uh, Saturday night at the VFW in South St. Paul for my second annual inaugural event.
2: Second annual inaugural.
1: Makes sense, right?
2: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> now, when did you become the mayor of South St. Paul?
1: I got elected in 2016. I got sworn in uh, January 3rd, uh, 2017, and sworn at January 4th, 2017. Sure. Well, I mean, it's the second inaugural, so two years. Yeah. Two years. Makes sense. sense. Next here. year will be the third, yeah. and, and then my family. Yeah. I look at it kind of like uh, an education in city government, so it's a four-year degree I'm getting, and so this is my sophomore year and a little better at throwing parties and got a better band this year. It's going to be awesome. So where did this all start, Jimmy? Well, last year, uh, as you may know, some may not, uh, I have a background in radio and uh, was unexpected Mm -hmm. to be uh, elected mayor of the city that I live in. So I did the only thing I knew how to do, which is call all my old radio Mentors and say, "Hey, will you come and congratulate me on stage and say uh, how great it is that I'm the mayor of South Saint Paul?" And <laughs> all the radio people did. We had uh, Bob Lang came out, Joe Souchere, oh, Don like Shelby, uh, uh, the rookie, Mishki. Uh, it was uh, it was super fun and exciting. Kind of local. They all showed. They all showed. Did a little. We did a little spiel about how the hell I got there. Uh, and uh, what the hell we're doing now, and uh, then we danced, and, you know, had hors d'oeuvres. It was great, and it was in a historic building in South St. Paul called the, S- the Stock Exchange Building, or his- oh, yeah. now they call it the Historic Concord Exchange, but uh mm-hmm. beautiful old building and uh, had fun, and then what I did last year uh, my inaugural event, the inaugural inaugural, was I had uh, people... Put in the, uh, the hat their charity of their choice, and uh, I drew out, I think uh, Rookie drew out the uh, winner, which was Kapoja Days. So this year's second annual inaugural is raising money for Capoia Days, which is the city of South St. Paul Festival, that is uh, run by volunteers and a nonprofit, and so it's, uh, the money's sticking in town or going to a good cause, so they don't have to make as many phone calls, and they can still put on a great event a great you know, city event uh, in June. So,
2: a, so you only, you only send invitations to people that are from St. Paul. Is that the plan?
1: No, no. I, I, uh, everyone's invited. That's why I'm on your show. I'm going worldwide trying to get, people. Yeah, but there. I didn't,
2: I didn't, I didn't know people were supposed to show up two years ago. Did I get invited?
1: You did. And, uh, because of the nobody time. Nobody ever here, told me I got invited. See, I think you're in, in Oh in Florida. yeah. Yeah.
2: I see. I was out of town. wasn't? You I? were out of yeah. town
1: at that time. So, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's why I, I don't think it, uh, it worked out, but I did know that I talked to your people and, uh, we can look back at the emails and make sure that. that, that no, was done. I think it's magnificent. <laughs> it was fun. Said, well, hey, yeah, I
2: tell you what—to get to get guys like Sushray and Rookie and Don Shelby and you said Bob Lang was—I've always liked Bob Lang; he's a great guy.
1: Uh, who Classic. else you say was there? Classic radio guy. Oh, Mishke? Mishke, yeah. 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 a great guy. Radio mentors of mine, and uh, really, you know, the they are the people—exact people—that uh, m- people think are famous, or you know, they have some famous stuff. Uh, but they're so approachable. I mean, like yourself, yeah. you come to that yep. event and you just go talk to regular people because that's what you guys do—you regular people. And it's what I'm trying to suggest is that we don't need politicians continually being politicians. Let's just get regular people in, doing some stuff and in working on the future. That's kind of was my uh, my platform running for mayor, and uh, it resonates. And I think if I just keep up doing the same thing, throw a good party every year and, and amp up the. The exposure and get more people excited about being involved and being around other good people and fun people, meeting people that maybe you never met before, and bringing stuff together. That's that's how we're gonna how we're gonna grow South St. Paul for sure, and that's kind of what w- what we need to what I need to do in these four years is focus on that.
2: No, Jim, what what's the population of South St. Paul?
1: Twenty one thousand,
2: and we. Okay, and, and, and did you was it a blowout? Were you a blowout winner?
1: Uh, well, sixty percent of the Vote. I don't know if that's a blowout, oh, well, but
2: that's, it is a blowout.
1: And you know, I, I've never done it before. I went for the for the top seat. I went against a sitting council member who's got 34 years in in city government and great person, great guy. The the mayor before me, nice gal. Uh, Awesome! I love everybody that runs for for anything, you know, because they're out there sure. actually putting themselves on the line and doing it. And they, like, for the for these two people, they did it for a long time, or, and one of them continues to do it. But it doesn't leave a lot of room for new ideas and new thinking to come in. So I kind of broke that mold a little bit is the way I look at it. And I think people it resonated with people that yeah, let's let this local kid that we all know. We know his family. He's a good guy. He's fun you know, that kinda that kind of thing. He'll do a good job. And not that the other guy wouldn't, but it's different, right? And what the thing a lot of people don't understand, Tom, is in local government and ours in particular, in the city of South St. Paul, is we all have the same vote. So the mayor is no more important or powerful than the rest of the council people. I just have to sign all the documents and them as designated as the the, the person. But we, we have to get four votes. We have to agree and come to a consensus on everything. So it's not like I got in and I get to make all the decisions and I lead the agenda. No, I just... I just get to be a little more vocal and a little more out there opportunity as a, uh, as a mayor than I would as a council person. And then my other thought. No, Jimmy,
2: I, yep. I, I, sorry to interrupt you, but very quickly, you sound like you're about 18 years old, so people should probably know that you're not <laughs> 18 years
1: old. Uh, I'm a youthful forty-two.
2: Youthful forty-two. There
1: you yeah. go. Yeah, and I, I like I, I've, I've uh, played older on the radio, but um, not. Uh, you
2: have, yes.
1: Not. not um, I'm an old oldie at heart. That's why I like Chicago. That's why this uh, um, this transit authority band for Saturday's party is right up my alley. Because I just I love the horns. I love a full eight-piece band. Yep. I mean, it's just. Yep. There's something about it that's just awesome.
2: No, I know exactly what you're talking about. There, there's there's no doubt about it. I, I love Chicago. When he played that song, I thought, man, this is, now that's great music. It is. I have to ask you a question. You know, growing up in, in, in Minneapolis, you still know, and I, I guess I was really weird because I actually went to St. Paul, whereas most... St. Paulites don't go to Minneapolis. Most Minneapolis people don't go to St. Paul. Maybe they do now, but not so much. And they didn't do it at all when I was a kid. You know that, that it's true that Mishki did not know how to get to Wyzetta. Yes. That's a true story. He did not know how to get to Wyzetta because he's a St. Paul guy, Right. Well, um, how long ago did the St. Paul Stockyards kind of start to shut down, and then are they completely shut down now?
1: Yep. I'll just correct you on one thing, just because you are from the other side of town. You're from Plymouth, Minneapolis. Okay. Uh, We are actually South St. Paul. We are our own city named South St. Paul. We're not the south side of St. Paul, like you would think uh, south side of Chicago or East St. Paul, because there is no East St. Paul. It's just St. Paul on the east side of St. Paul. So we are a city called South St. Paul. So the South St. Paul Stockyards was there from uh, 1886? Right. And they went to 2008. So I'm the first mayor without a Stockyards.
2: Yeah, when I moved to St. Paul is when I learned about the whole South St. Paul thing. Because for a while, I was like, okay, well, that's the southern St. Paul. And they were like, nope, South St. Paul is its own thing. And it's not even, like, south of St.
1: Paul, isn't it? It's, It's like... East of Saint Paul, yeah, it's more east or something. Yeah, and, and it's yeah, south. it's 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 uh, west Saint Paul is more south. The uh, yeah, Paul. very <laughs> strange.
2: Yeah,
1: I love that. Yeah. So why why would the stockyard shut down? Why did that happen? Uh, just changing markets, you know. Uh, at the time, that's it? It, well, South Saint Paul is so greatly positioned on the river and with natural right, resources. Right. With, th- that's how the the Native Americans came. I mean, this was a Indian uh, an Indian village to begin with. Uh, Little Crow's summer village called uh, the village of Capoja. That's originally how we were started. Oh, yeah. So, and that was for the same purposes: the location, the view, the you know resources, the animals. And so then, when the stockyards uh, came, they had needed a place between the markets. So that's why they chose South St. Paul because it had rail, it had water. Uh, you could. It was off the trail, but it was still in between Chicago and Nebraska and, you know, all the markets. So they right, they'd ship right. them all to South St. Paul, and then they'd trade them, and then all the farmers would say, okay, send them, send them back or send a trainload of cattle back within the pig, in the pig uh, train, and then, you know, all these truckers would, would bring them in and out. And this was the—South St. Paul was the trading capital of, of the world for a while. It was the world's largest at one time. Really?
2: Yes. So did it do a lot of economic damage to South St. Paul, losing that industry?
1: Uh, yes because when you're so focused on it you know it's uh-huh. it's the only thing i mean everything else is because of the stockyards all the banks all mm-hmm. the bars all the boot places furniture was you know feeding off that and when that started to go away uh you know the the packing plants in particular that took all that away and just kind of economically brought it down and then when you have all that after 130 years of Cow shit. Uh, You know, (laughs) the land is contaminated. You're by the river. It's just you know, there's just what else can you do with it? And so that then takes time to redevelop and clean up. And so yeah, it's it's taken a lot of time, but we have developed quite a bit. And uh, we've Mm -hmm. got because of our position, Tom, in South St. Paul, of our location, we are we've got great views. We can get anywhere very fast. Uh, I've got you know got to your studios here in 32 minutes from South St. Paul. So it's like. We can get anywhere pretty fast, um, and we've got a great lifestyle. We've got great. We've got sidewalks. We've got uh, tree-lined streets. We've got, you know, parks and all the all the good amenities. Great schools. It's uh, it, it really is a, a great thing. So so I think the next growth is the people uh, for the industries in our little industrial park. And what what kind of industries are we talking? Oh, we're pretty diverse down there. One of the oldest in the uh, state of Minnesota is uh, Waterus. Uh, they are fire protection, fire hydrant company.
2: Oh, okay. They're, okay. they're
1: down there. Sportsman's Guide is down there. Um, we have a, a bagel factory, uh, a rendering plant, and a glove company still in South St. Paul. Uh, so, And then we have pets. We have a, a lot of stuff to do with pets right now. We just, we just brought approved uh, uh, Walzer. To bring a Subaru dealership in, we just uh, Ooh, finished building. There you Reem Kenworth uh, is uh, going to be selling uh, semi-trucks uh, from South St. Paul. And uh, uh, I'm thinking of one big employer that's down, but not in the park. It's called Whip Air. And Whip Air is the world's largest manufacturer of airplane floats. And they are located at our South St. Paul airport.
2: See, that's fantastic. So, so this huge industry moves away, just shuts down, yet the city... Thrives.
1: Well, That's wonderful, and, and we're working. We're working back, and you know what it's going to take, Tom, is new people uh, and continuous changeover of people to help create the keep the vision going, uh, because the staff and the and the residents that are there are steady eddies. So they, they're doing the work, mm-hmm. but but because they're doing the work, they can't really look over the the dashboard at what they're getting handed to them. So we need more visionary people to come in and help guide and direct that and encourage growth and bring in emerging markets and work with different ethnic groups to say, hey, you know, we've we've got one of the only Hmong uh, butcher shops in the state. It's one of the largest. It's it's not a USDA graded, so it's more of a cultural uh, butcher shop where the uh, folks follow their animal through the process. Um, It's Really? It's still there. It's uh, been there for a long time. It's been what we've been built on. Maybe it's not, um, you know, the greatest uh, of revenue generator, you know, and maybe it's not the best use Mm. of of the land. But we still could develop that. We could help them get the USDA. They could talk about farm-to-table opportunity. You know, it's it's already right there. They've already got it, and it's culturally diverse. So we we've got opportunity and options in South St. Paul. And back to my the reason for the second annual inaugural event is that at the baseline, Tom South St. Paul has always been. And you know, people from South St. Paul. You've met them throughout the years. They've been on your mm-hmm. show. You've interviewed mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. We're good hosts. We love to just host people and and help and have a good time. And that's really what my purpose is on the in the inaugural events is to. Bring everybody to South St. Paul. Send them all to South St. Paul and see what it is now, and have a good time.
2: Well, it's not a bad idea, actually. Uh, I do want to talk more about the event. I also want to talk about you brought up architecture, and yeah. I've spent a lot of time actually in South St. Paul. A friend of mine uh, has purchased a building or two down down that way, and I want to talk to you more about the architecture. Uh, South St. Paul is one of those towns that that didn't tear down. Matter of fact, St. Paul. Uh, the main city itself, uh, look, I understand that South St. Paul is its own city, but St. Paul, as opposed to Minneapolis, Minneapolis tore down all our beautiful architecture. Yeah, Mm, Not all of it, but most of it. St. Paul didn't do that, and I want to talk to you about that, the fact that St. Paul didn't do it, that South St. Paul didn't do it, uh, you can stay for another segment. Yes, sir. Excellent. We'll be right back. Tom, but aren't you?
1: I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American banking company. Ask one of our bankers, what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client case in point, true North oral surgery and implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital and equipment loan or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North
2: American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you can relate to hanging out on the dock with family and friends. Let Flow enhance your experience with their rock-solid dock systems. You see, Flow's passion to invent a better way to make life easier, comes through in every product they make. Flow boat lifts are a breeze to level using a cordless drill with their patented Easy Level System. Flow is about making things easy, meaning you have more time to enjoy being at the lake. Isn't that why you go there in the first place? See for yourself why they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. Visit Flow at the Minnesota Sportsman Show at River Center in St. Paul, January 18th through the 21st. Be sure to ask for the show special where, with a qualified purchase, you'll receive a free three-piece furniture set or free wireless remote. And mention you heard this ad on KQ for an additional $50 off a dock or lift system. To find out more about Flow Systems, visit their website at F-L-O-E-I-N-T-L dot com. Flow docks and Lifts, a better way. Ladies and gentlemen, Mayor Frank from South St. Paul, Jim, Jimmy Francis in studio with us talking about South St. Paul, about the second inaugural. Uh, so what's going on? What, where's the gathering? When is it? What's it all about?
1: So to, to recap, it's at the South St. Paul VFW, who knows how to put on a good concert at uh, right. 7, 7 p.m. The Transit mm-hmm. Authority Band will be playing. We'll be having, and uh, they're a Chicago tribute band. We'll have Chicago Dogs. That's why I brought in yesterday the uh, the, the uh, uh, Coney dogs from the coop in South St. Paul because I wanted to kind of tease out the fact that uh, we're going to have these you know Chicago dogs and try to get you know it's, you bring food to a to a radio show of people like that so uh, we're going to have the the dogs yes. and uh, the band and it's all going for our local. Um, festival called Capoja Days, so it's it's all based on fun. If you can make it, you want to have a good time. Come on down. I just talked to the hotel, the Envision in South St. Paul, and they're giving a, a good guy discount. So if you want to stay overnight in this cool hotel, that they what they did is they changed the inside of it to reflect the old South St. Paul. So it's got like cowhide uh, bed, you know, b- bed boards and cool pictures. Really? Yeah, it's wonderful. It's, it's really cool. So. Uh, they're, they're embracing our history and our past, and they're offering uh, the, the future for, for more people to come and see what's going on in South St. Paul a discount for that event. So it's kind of fun. Hopefully, uh, Doug Sprinthal buys a bunch of tickets and brings all the Walzer folks down for their new Subaru dealership in South St. Paul, too. Not to give him another plug, but...
2: Yeah, that's magnificent.
1: We're glad you're here.
2: Well, yeah, not to give Sprint all another plug, you know what I'm saying. But okay, so for for people from for Minneapolis, you hop on uh, 94 East, right?
1: Yep. Best way to get there. 52. You exit 52. Okay, you go south. 94 East, go to 52, right? And right. then you go south to Concord. Like you go to. Yes, So exit on, really? Con- <clears throat> exit on Concord Street. You take a left. Uh, if you would go right, you'd go down to little uh, Cesar Chavez. You'd go down to, you know, B- right, Cesar Boca Chavez Chica. Boulevard. That's the wrong way. If you hit the Boca Chica, turn around and go back the other way. And uh, you take that south. You take Concord South uh, about a mile and in into South St. Paul. There you'll find the VFW uh, right there off of Concord Street.
2: So it's really easy to get to. I mean, it's ve- that's a very, very simple thing. Uh, uh, route. Yes. No, no doubt about it. And it's very, from, very easy.
1: From Woodbury, you'd take 494, you exit Concord. From Egan, you'd take 494 right. and exit Concord. Uh, you know, bo- both sides. We're conveniently located in South St. Paul.
2: <laughs> no, you just, so you're basically not that far from the Lafayette Bridge. Correct. We are uh, no, we're on the other great, side of it. I love that area. Yeah. Yep. You, I just love that. I love that area.
1: You were talking about, I, again, I don't want to cor- correct you. I just want to just bring to light that we did rip down quite a bit of our old stuff in south st paul did you really so we That's we kept bad. it there are a few things and there there are um there are still opportunities in that and you know you, you can always armchair quarterback any of that stuff and listen mm-hmm. and hear what's up so but what, what what they did by ripping that stuff down is ensure that we'll never be a Stillwater, you know uh with with the architecture yeah, and, yeah. and that river town that looks like that but what they did for us uh i think is give us the opportunity to get some time because if you've been to Disney, if you've ever been to Stephen Shustler's, you know, the boat works down there at, at yeah, Disney, yep. you can make anything, anything and look like anything with today's modern features and, you know, efficiencies. So I think they did us a favor by kind of opening up the space and allowing us to, to go back. If we want to make that architecture back to that old stock exchange type building, all the 1800s buildings, we have a Cass Gilbert building still in South St. Paul. If we want to go back to that, we can build new that looks like that, and that's kind of, you know, We, we oh, I don't want to forget that, that we have the ability to make it look old if we want to um, and has, still have that opportunity to keep that, that history. And I think the people coming in that want to do build new stuff will will do that at their, we don't have rules about it, you know, we don't have ordinances to make it that way. But more visionary people that come in and lead that want to ch- take that charge, the, the more opportunity we'll have to. To do that, so, so uh, I say that because uh, you had mentioned that we didn't rip, we did, we saved a few of the of the classics, uh, but a, a lot of it did get uh, bulldozed over.
2: God, I went to a, a friend of mine, Rick, bought a building in South Saint he, Paul yeah, he owns, a few years ago.
1: He owns the one. He owns the Exchange. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. He owns the Exchange, right? And we 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 came down there. God, I can't remember how long ago that was. Uh, you remember
1: how about how long ago Rick bought it? He's been the owner for quite a while, so I mean, I'm yeah, talking so fifteen five, years. Six years. No, fifteen. He's he's that been that long, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. He bought it oh after my the God. after the lumber baron guy uh, from Stillwater, you know, lost it, um, and then you know created uh, what he created in it, which is still what it is today, which is a beautiful a beautiful historic building that's available for weddings, events, you know, inaugurations, right. um, small little parties, you know, f- photo shoots. I mean. There's 12 hotel rooms in there that are that are so right. cool, that I mean it's it's just a great place to be. So
2: yeah, I'm I'm not kidding you, Jimmy. I thought that was five years ago, but that was 15 years ago. Time
1: flies. <laughs> God.
3: Oh,
2: man. But we uh, we came down, we went down and, and had lunch with Rick, as a matter of fact, and toured the building. It is a spectacular building.
1: Yeah, they don't build them like that anymore. That The the wood, the, you know, I mean, all of it. Do you know that building? And I'd love to sometime get get uh, Lois Glevy. She's a, a South St. Paul historian. She's written a couple of books mm-hmm. uh, and talked to you about our history. Uh, but more money went through that building than Fort Knox because that's where all the money flowed through all the the, the livestock. I mean, gangsters were so coming what, down and robbing our post office right. because there was so much money at the post office <laughs> that that's where they were robbing it. Uh, Dillinger was in South St. Paul. One of my great uncles got kidnapped right. by Dillinger. So, I mean, it, it was, it's was it got a pretty good history, that building in particular, and uh, I'm, I'm really glad they saved it. And what's the name of the building? It's a Concord. It's, it's, it's the Concord the, Exchange. Yeah, they call it the Historic Concord Exchange. But at the time, it okay, was excellent. it was yeah. the stock exchange building, and everybody, and, I, it, and it would... everybody from South St. Paul's got a relative that worked in that building in some way, shape, or form. Sold futures, cigars, you know, uh, lunch counter, whatever. They they worked mm-hmm. in there or went in there and got their check, and then went down to the Woog or uh, you know the Hookem Cow and spent half their check on Schwill and then got a ride up the hill <laughs> by the jitney. <laughs> It must you know
2: that must have been a fun life actually. Very very hard work, no doubt about it. But uh the the sense of community must have been amazing it's, in South St.
1: Paul. It's still there, Tom, and that's what's awesome about it. You Good. know, you, your friend is is uh is Tim Pollney, isn't he? Is he a friend of yours, Tim? Yeah, I I know Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, he tells the greatest stories because the governor of our state was a you know, grew up in South St. Paul and if if not for his family working at the hard at the stockyards in those pens, would he not have gone to college and done all the things that he got to do to be the governor of the state? So a lot of hard work and work ethic is just built into the bread of of residents and then new residents now that have come in just absorb that really fast. So if they've only been there for eight years, they feel like they're that their grandpa worked there too you know and really because now right. they're, they're part of the community and they just love that part of that hometown feel it's not the small town feel it's the hometown feel that yes that no, people it's not long small for. town yeah yeah yep.
2: no I think you're absolutely right beautiful views yeah I I seriously I, I cannot believe it was that long ago that I was over there but uh come back when you remember, come back I'd, I'd love so to I take would absolutely you on a, love to come back
1: on a 50 cent tour and uh and talk to you about stuff because Getting guys like you in who are entrepreneurs and, you know, work with other people that are developers in all shapes and forms, we need you guys because our students at the schools we found, uh, we've got a mm-hmm. great college path, but we don't have that technical aspect. We don't we don't teach kids early on how to do all those kinds of free thinking and, and, you know, all the things that happen with a small business, right, or a, a big business. Yeah, so right, we, need, right. we need mentors and opportunities for people to just come in and, you know, obviously number 1 if they want to build there of course we'd love them but also just to share that info we've we've got kind of some mechanisms built in that we're going for the new wave of educating uh, our workforce the future workforce and our our kids by offering those opportunities because not everybody's going to college and not everybody's going to work in the stockyards anymore they're going to do other stuff and we need to be right. able to Reem Kenworth is doing a you know a diesel mechanic thing and uh, you know, we hope we hope the same for for Walzer, who start doing and teaching kids how to do that stuff or learn the trade of whatever trade it is.
2: You know, Jimmy, I'll tell you what's really wonderful about this story, and it is a wonderful story. That I love talking about uh, things like this. I, for, for years, talked to, I tried to talk to mayors of Minneapolis, uh, at least a few of them, uh, about redeveloping North Minneapolis and actually doing what all the politicians say they're going to do North Minneapolis, when I was very, very young, was a great place to live. Multicultural, as you're talking about, you know, it was an Italian mm-hmm. and Irish area. It was a, a, large, a very large Black neighborhood, a large Jewish neighborhood. There was a Homewood district that had a bowling alley and a and a, a you know a theater and all the rest of it. Uh, great delis, the Desnick Brothers. I, I wish that somebody like you would rise up in North Minneapolis. Now you can't run for mayor of North Minneapolis because it's part of Minneapolis. So right. that's one of the problems you have there. But everybody always talks about here's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to invest money and we're going to help I- I've been hearing that now for decade after Mm -hmm. decade after decade, and nothing ever happens. I would love to see a redevelopment of Plymouth Avenue, because it used to be the main drag from downtown. You get on Plymouth Avenue, and that's how you got to the suburbs, like Golden Valley and Plymouth, Minnesota, and all the rest of it. But they just won't do it, and I don't understand why.
1: You know, my only two cents in this being I never had a desire to do a Mm -hmm. political role you know i'm i'm right. more of a winter carnival prime minister you know kind of uh, a, you know behind the scenes uh, organizing thing i don't, politics isn't my passion right but right but my my passion is in the, in the city that i live in which i think can go like globally uh, Idea-wise, is you know you, you stick up and do what you can. It's like being a coach for four years for your kid's little league team. You go in, you do the thing. Right. When the kid gets through it, then you move on and let somebody else do it. When people get stagnant or political parties get stagnant inside and they lock it up, that becomes their whole passion to right. get, get reelected, and they forget the fact that they're there for four years to do a job that's not day to day, but it's future. So when you say like we should, yeah, we should, do, we're going to do that, we're going to do that. Well, then they start focusing on day to day, which they should be letting the staff work day to day, and then focus on that yes. future, and then get the hell out of the way. Let somebody else come in with an education that has maybe architectural or finance, you know? I'm a, I'm a marketing and a in a sales and communications background, and so that's why I'm on the Tom Bernard program promoting my city, because that's what I know how to do. But in four years... What's a great city. In four years, I'm hoping that I've inspired a kid or a adult that has the desire to give their four years of time in commercial... You know, development or banking, or you know, you name the the background that they have a, a skill in, and then they bring that forward for that period of time and do their part for their city. And if we if we all kind of did that along the way and kind of got out of the way, I know we need career politicians. There's no doubt about it because I see how yeah, stuff gets done. Yeah, I done. understand that. Yep. And also the yep. other, the other part about it, Tom, is is <clears throat> now being on the inside. I see the minutia that that gets you gets people you know you can't really do it that way jimmy you you know the thing you were telling everybody you want to do you really can't do that because it just it (laughs) doesn't it doesn't work like that so so that's a good realization and again another reason why if you step out of the way we get more people realizing and spreading the word that it's not all you don't go in and i'm the mayor and so now i get to change all the stuff no we you build consensus and you bring in new ideas and you push things forward and then Then the staff, who's there all the time, they, you know, and having a new person move in every four years really gets people on, you know, staff uncomfortable. So that's that's what's important. Now they have to learn a new... A new council. They have to learn the new mayor, the new communication techniques, and you know? all. He doesn't really care about that. the mayor that's been here for 14 years. She never came into my office. Geez, he's here all the time. What's he? What's he want? I got to keep my desk clean. You know, that kind of stuff. You just get him. You catch them differently. And when you don't have the changeover, you don't get that.
2: Well, I, I tell you what. I've I've gotten. I've tried to get hold of the last two mayors, uh Betsy Hodges and before her RT Ryback. I didn't even get calls back from them after tornadoes hit North Minneapolis after uh well the a fire. downtown thing.
1: That that downtown thing yeah. you were doing Tom, I I mean I I've communicated with your staff back and forth about how you and I think so much alike on that and it's right. it's bizarre that they don't that they didn't listen to you that they're that they're not taking a more active role because you're willing to help. I mean, you rallied the troops in like five minutes. You had as much as you needed for for people for that downtown, and they just they're going to do what they're going to do because they know better yep, than you. it's Tom. true. They know better than you.
2: Yeah, they do. I mean, we had Mike Lindell done very very well at My Pillow. He's willing to step up. I have all these people willing to step up and do what you're trying to do in, in South St. Paul as a city. They can't do it because North Minneapolis is just part of Minneapolis. But I would love to get get started doing what you're doing in North Memphis because I love that area, uh, and maybe you and I need to talk about that. Let's do it. Sit down and have a little dinner. Do you uh, do you want to stick around and help us interview a
1: gold miner? I would love it. I'm a 49er. I would love that.
2: There we go. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about My Pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone said it was. Well, I received my first My Pillow and I love it. Look, my my head stays level. You know, it's not too high, not too low. My neck feels much better because of it. Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. MyPillow is offering a buy one MyPillow, get another one absolutely free. Don't delay. This offer will end on January 31st. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Go to MyPillow.com, but make sure you use the promo code TOM. Again, please use promo code Tom. That's promo code Tom. MyPillow.com. Tom Bernard here. Hey, would you turn down a job that paid you thirty to $60,000 an hour? That's basically what you're doing if you don't attend the SellerWorkshop.com series this month, hosted by the Chris Lindahl team with Remax Results. In about an hour, you'll learn how to potentially make thirty to $60,000 more on the sale of your home. Chris,
1: why are you giving away the secret sauce? Oh, great question. If you love something, set it free, right? Seriously, I'm on a mission to help people make the money they deserve when they sell their home. Whether it's my team or someone else, the fact is the world has changed when it comes to home selling yet people are still doing it the traditional way and leaving tens of thousands of dollars on the table
2: it drives you crazy when people do it wrong doesn't it
1: i just hate seeing people lose money at the SellerWorkshop.com series you'll learn the methods we've developed at the chris lindell team that have made us the number one remax results team in the nation you walk out with all the tools you need to make tons more money on your next home sale and it's totally free
2: the seller workshops are happening january 29th through the 31st seating is limited and trust me they sell out fast visit sellerworkshop.com or Call 763 401 sold
1: I've been to Hollywood. I've been to Redwood. I crossed the ocean for a heart of gold.
2: I've been in my mind. We are back. With Jimmy Francis, the mayor of South St. Paul, you got me very excited talking about this stuff. Now you got me all jacked up to Good. try to see if I can get something rolling in North Minneapolis. I'd but love to get this, that done,
1: Tom. That's why I kept saying I think you and I just even talking about it will encourage more people to start doing it and get more people as stepping up and more. The more people, if we had a primary at every election in every city, as North Minneapolis, South Minneapolis, wherever, every precinct, mm-hmm. if they had primaries, now we got all these other people that are willing to step up and do some work. The other people can step back a little bit and and these changes will happen.
2: I love it. Wonderful. Is Fred ready to go, Mike? Yep. All right, Fred Hurt, ladies and gentlemen. How you doing, Fred?
1: Doing
2: just fine. Is this Tom? It is Tom, sir. Nice to have you on the show. gold, wash, uh, gold rush whitewater. Fred is a veteran gold miner who pushes his team and his equipment to their limits. I got to tell you something, Fred. This is Uh, Probably the first time it ever happened. In the first hour of the show today, we got a call from a guy up in Fairbanks, Alaska, who uh, works in the gold industry up there he does he does sample you know sample cores and all the rest of it smart guy so we talked about gold in the first hour and now we're going to talk about gold in the third hour of the show Gold Rush whitewater series premiered last Friday as a matter of fact at 9 p.m. Central time on Discovery so Fred we want to we want to hear all about what's
3: now you're up uh, you're up, where, where are you located uh, we work in uh, in the southern part of Alaska in a panhandle uh, near Haynes Alaska.
2: Near Haynes, Alaska. And what's the, uh, why, that's so there's all this undiscovered, unmined gold up in the Arctic Circle and up in Alaska, uh, uh, all those areas. Is that the idea?
3: Uh, well, that's basically mostly the easy gold has been found, uh, you know, where you can go around and pick it up and just pan it right out of a creek, right off the surface and things like that. Most of that has been found. Uh, so nowadays you have to do, be a little more ingenious. You go where people have not been before and that is the crux of where we're what we're doing in this particular project and this is quite a show
2: You have quite quite a story, as a matter of fact. Fred began his construction career in his late 60s working as a commercial diver in the Gulf of Mexico. He learned uh, underwater construction, demolition, and salvage skills that he would later apply to gold mining. In 2004, after nearly 25 years of running his own construction company, he retired. But it was now that the real work started, and Fred started gold mining exploration in Alaska. After an unsuccessful few seasons of mining at Porcupine and Caribou Creek, He moved on to claims in Nevada, Wyoming, and Montana. Then in 2008, he returned to Alaska, this time to the frozen waste of the Arctic Circle, to uh, to a claim at Little Squaw Lake. Here he helped design, build, and operate a gold processing plant. In one short season, his five-man team managed to extract over 600 ounces of gold from the frozen ground. What a great story, Fred. Well, I'll tell you
3: what, living it was even better. (laughs) 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 Uh, That's what, uh, you know, uh, these are memories that you've made. Uh, Sometimes it's not always about the goal so much. It's about what you remember you did. And you know what an adventure is. Yes, it's something you go out and you work your tail off. You go through all kinds of trials and tribulations and you overcome them. And in the end, you finally get done. You survive it. And about six months or a year later, you turn around and you kind of look in your memory and you say, "Man, was that ever an adventure?" <laughs> your whole life sounds like it's and been an adventure. Fred. The... I gotta go ahead. No, you forget. What
2: do you forget about?
3: No, and you forget about the bad stuff that happened while you were there.
2: <laughs> well, I tell you what, that's not uh, really in your makeup you anyway, Fred. Uh, Fred, well, I gotta read this one line here because it's you put this together. You know, if you lived in New Orleans, they might call you a scallywag, Fred. You know that. But it says here, uh, something I love, Fred says that he's been married for 42 years, but it's taken three women to do it.
3: (laughs) Well, hey, that's the way it is. Hey, that's life, is it not? For some people, not everybody. uh, But a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, It's been a wonderful life. Uh, You know, it's been spicy. (laughs) And I've enjoyed every bit of it.
2: Now, what's interesting, Fred, is the fact that you started doing this after you supposedly retired. Now, most people say, "Oh, you know, sixty-five, you're going to shut everything down and you're going to stop working." It sounds to me that's when you, like, when you started working, actually.
3: Well, actually, uh, since I had been a commercial diver and I worked in, uh, I had my own business, pile driving and dock building and concrete work and all that type of stuff uh, for thirty, about thirty-five years. I retired when I was 60 years old to go gold mining, oh, okay. and it was just like stepping from one profession into another, and I had been training to be a gold miner all my life. It was such a perfect fit, and uh, I enjoyed uh, where I was in Alaska, and uh, I had always worked mostly in flatlands like Louisiana, the long coast of Texas uh, that I'm originally from. I always tell people I'm from South America. They said, really? Yeah." South Texas. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Before, you know. before I moved to uh, North Dakota, I uh, lived in North Dakota for uh, 12 years, and that's kind of how I got my nickname. When uh, my son in law, Paul Beam, lives in North Dakota, uh, he and I went gold mining in uh, Alaska, and we had met John Schnabel, John Schnabel, uh, the old man on uh, Gold Rush uh, in right. 2004. Yep. And uh, he kept calling us the Dakota Boys. So when the film people showed up, they started saying, well, that sounds good. We'll just call you Dakota Fred. Says, Well, that's up to you. (laughs) And it stuck. That's how I got my nickname.
2: That is wonderful. Gold miners Dakota Fred and his son Dustin are back returning to McKinley Creek, Alaska, determined to make a fortune no matter the risk. Yeah, now, Risk, Are you talk, you're talking financial risk, you're talking physical risk, you're talking all kinds of risk, aren't you?
3: We're, it's, a, It's. A, yeah, not only financial, but uh, the actual uh, having to get to the job even was, uh, it was a remote area. You can't drive there. You can't drive equipment there. There's no way to get there other than uh, hike it or being dropped in by a helicopter by a long rope these the canyon walls where we were working was so, they were about 200 to 250 feet high on both sides of the canyon, and it's very narrow, very narrow. And uh, which creates one hell of a flow of water going through a creek, McKinley Creek, and uh, very near where we figure that the source of the gold came from that went down into Porcupine Creek. So that's why we were there. Uh, So
2: that's interesting, I'm fascinated by
3: that. uh, We we had to to take, to get to work, we had to strap ourselves to a little pulley on a cable that went across a canyon that was 400 feet across that canyon with the walls straight up and down on the thing. But look down, when you're going across, it's like 250 feet straight down, pucker moment.
2: Yeah, I would say. So was this not this was all just not guesswork. You said you you talked about, well, this is where we uh, you, you know what you're doing. I mean, your team knows exactly what they're doing. Right.
3: Well, we we figured we could mine over in that area. We were not sure uh we had tried mining over Mm -hmm. there we mined the year before this is how we got uh filmed in the first place we were doing basically the same thing the year before uh and discovery had heard about it and they said man that sounded like one heck of a uh situation that we need to film and uh we negotiated with uh discovery and they said okay we'll we'll send a crew over there so they followed us uh, all last year, and it was uh, quite a. They had to live right out there with us. That was part of the deal. They lived right out there with us, uh, put up with the bears and uh, mostly bears. The bears, uh, you know, you're in their habitat. We're yep. in there, <laughs> and they're they're a constant presence. Uh, we had both uh, grizzly bears and. Uh, black bears. The black bears were a little easier to scare off unless mm-hmm. they had uh, babies with them. Uh, if they had cubs, oh, well, with them, yeah. they were pretty, they, they were a little obstinate. But uh, just getting to the job site every day, strapping yourself to that cable, going across the cable, hiking about uh, a third of a mile up a, up a mountain, then you had to rappel down a rope, down a very, very steep Incline down to the creek, and then you would walk about a, another half to a quarter, about a half to a, excuse me, a quarter to a third of a mile to the job site, and then you had to do your work. That's after we finally got there. I mean, part of the show will show you how difficult it was just getting there. And then to get our material and everything, we had to, some of it we, uh, sorry to use a derogatory term, but we had to hand carry it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, know, yeah, yeah. I understand.
2: So, where? How did you? How did you choose a place you were going to live? If you had to, you had to. Okay, you have to slide across the canyon on a cable, and you had to rappel down. So, how did you pick a place where you're going to live? I mean, where do you there, live?
3: There was, there was an old, old cabin that had been there for oh, years okay. that right. uh, we converted into living quarters, and uh, the, the camera crew. Set up their own camp uh, nearby, but they had to put they put uh, uh, electric wire, a little electric fence around theirs to keep the bears out of that area. We didn't have that, but uh, <laughs> since we were in a they were in tents. We were in a hard in a hard cabin, so we were not as vulnerable to the bears at nighttime as as they were. But anyway, it's it, it uh, once you got there, uh, you we did our work. There was. We took lots of safety precautions as far as, like, when we were, finally got there and we got set up, we had to bring all the material in with a helicopter uh, dangling from about a 150-foot uh, cable. Had to rely on the, I mean, the, I mean they, we had a couple of incredible helicopter pilots because they were, hang, you know, looking down. With stuff hanging down 150 feet below them, and they had to land it in about a 20-foot area hanging around down in there. It was, it was, it was hairy. So, and it all went well. I can tell you that we, we did not have any real, any major mishaps. Mishaps. So,
1: sorry, Dakota, uh, Fred. This is Jimmy. I'm sitting in here listening to this. I just have to ask you because I'm a big, I'm a super fan of. Of the of the show, you, you're a great character. Uh, a lot of us watch. Okay, this thank you. A lot of us watch the show and watch all you guys do your thing and think, man, they're rich. They're making, ri-, you know, and you, <laughs> just, you just explain something to us. But tell tell me or tell us a little bit about how much money it costs you to to get that chopper to do all those things to make to mine gold. I mean, it must cost you a fortune.
3: Well. We started with a budget, and I think you're going to see the first uh, how we wound up with a little bit of money to do this mining with this year. Uh, I am not a rich man. I never have been. I uh, never aspired to do that. Uh, I was more into the adventure and enjoying my work than I was about making money. I mean, I'm comfortable, but I'm not uh, certainly not a wealthy man. Not at all. But we were working within a budget. And uh, a helicopter runs right at about $2,500 an hour. Uh, you better have your things together and everything organized when you're going to use them, which we did. And uh, it, uh, that's how we had to deliver all that material. Um, just kind of a regular guy, easy to approach. You know, people say they've seen me out in public and say, man, I saw Fred. I don't know if I want to go talk to him or not. Hey, I'm a people guy.
2: <laughs> That's a wonderful thing. By the thing. way,
3: Let, by the yes, way, sir. I just for, I almost forgot. Uh, about thirty minutes ago, uh, Discovery just released a brand new little trailer for our for episode one, which is going to be tomorrow night at uh, Friday night, at following the main go Rush show. And it yep. is a, it shows you a little glimpse of exactly what uh, what you know what we're doing.
2: It is a wonderful.
3: Yeah, it teases you a little bit. It's going to be a little bit. (laughs) Have you ever worked with your father or your son? (laughs)
2: I'm working with I'm working with my son today, as a matter of fact. That's that's very very true.
3: Brothers, it's
2: a great story. They don't
3: always get along, so you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of that. Uh, how we relate to each other, good and bad. It's
2: a wonderful story. And, uh, Gold Rush Whitewater, Dakota Fred and his son Dustin. Dakota Fred, you're you're phenomenal. Great having you on. That's a wonderful story. And I, just, uh, I, I admire the fact you don't care about the damn money. You just want to love your job and you want to love life. Thank you for your time today, sir.
3: Exactly. Thank you very much for having me.
2: I've enjoyed it. It's a great pleasure. I've enjoyed it as well, sir. Thank you. Jimmy Francis, thank you as well. Uh, all the best to the people of, of South St. Paul. It's a wonderful, wonderful area. And I, uh, I'm i going to be on my own kind of for about, uh, oh, about seven, eight days. Catherine's going to be going out of town. So right around, so, you know, the 29th of January through about the – 10th of February. We're going to have to hook up and have a little dinner, man. That'd I'll be great. S-
1: I'll send a car and we can uh, take a 50 cent tour. Better yet, how about if I send a fire truck? We'll get Ash's fire truck from South St. Paul, the old South St. Paul <laughs> I truck. I like it. And you can take a ride, maybe bring your granddaughter along and uh, you know, ride around and get the 50 cent tour.
2: I love it, man. Jimmy, thanks so much for coming in today. Thanks great talking me, to you, sir. Thanks for listening. Tom Bernard Show. <laughs>